0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of uh, Movie Loaf. Yeah, it's uh, it's another it's another fun go getter of an episode from. Uh, let's see here. Uh, last year uh, I we I, I did this last year with uh, Justin DeClue, amazing Justin DeClue. You'll you'll if you don't know who he is, you'll meet him in a second. But uh, this is the first of maybe more parts of uh, a, a podcast on Albert Pion. And, uh, I, this, like the last episode, it's one that took me forever because I was so frustrated by its flaws. And as you'll see if you listen to the, or watch the entire episode, uh, there are a lot of technical issues as it goes on. Um, this was part of my Cox venture, uh, wherein I realized I desperately needed to get away from, uh, Cox as an internet provider and get closer to Cox uh, as a passion. And, um, so this was before I got my fiber and I wish I'd gotten it before because man, it really screwed me. Uh, what also screwed me was I messed up and did not record my own audio properly. And so my audio wound up with, uh, Justin's audio as part of it. And so I wound up just, it was a whole mess. So I just used the audio that was recorded through the, um, live stream that we were using to record. And, yeah, it, it didn't turn out amazing uh, from a technical perspective. But uh, I think it was a pretty good conversation with Justin. I think that uh, I'll definitely be doing a lot better next time, if there is a next time. Uh, let's just dig in to this episode of Movie Loaf. Oh, oh, oh. Start, start the intro. Welcome to
1: Movie Loaf. Oh, with some technical assistance. You can put together a dynamite, fuck Bill. Where'd you like Can you fly, Bobby? I am a big, bright, shining star. Wanna take my temperatures off? I bet you got a big thermometer. Jesus. What? Well. No! No, Don't listen to that man! Keep those cameras rolling.
0: We are here with uh, the one, the only, the uh, sexual, uh, Justin DeClue from the Important Cinema Club podcast uh, and also author of a very special book, uh, Radioactive Dreams, the Cinema of Albert Pyun. Is it Pyun or Pyun?
1: Oh, don't ask me because I'm going to start doubting myself instantly. Albert Pyun, that's how I say it. Like, maybe try to mix both of them together. So...
0: I say Pyun as well, and I was listening to uh, y'all's episode on Albert Pyun, and Will was saying "pune" the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, you just, like, you slide into "pune" uh, because I think he, like, said, like, a pun or something. I, and- I have
1: to say that my first language is not English, so I have permission to completely mispronounce anything. So. Oh, I'm aware.
0: Yeah. Um, Course, he is also the one that pronounces gag as gag, uh, which is an endless source of entertainment for me. I cannot describe how much warmth and joy that gives me every time he says it. So this is the first episode of a new loaf for movie loaf. Uh, and for those of you who are just tuning in, and Justin, who I haven't explained this to and have never listened to my podcast, uh, Movie Loaf is sort of a variety show, and each each episode is made up of various ingredients or maybe just one really nice, 100% pure ingredient. Uh, and it really just depends on how long it goes. So if this <laughs> is a 30 minute podcast, then uh, it's gonna be part of an hour long show with another ingredient, but I get the feeling this might be its own loaf. So Punitive Measures, episode one. One of my favorite, I've been, wanting, I've been saving this this pun for ages because <laughs> I've always wanted to do a an hour at podcast. And uh, it makes perfect sense to go to the man who uh, wrote a goddamn book on it. So we're talking about two movies today, and I, I actually asked you what you thought. And I think I originally was thinking *Cyborg*, and you suggested *Nemesis* and *Radioactive Dreams*, which is awesome because I love *Nemesis*. It's one of it's probably my favorite Albert Pyun movie if I had to pick one, which is always which is a challenge. Uh, and then Radioactive Dreams is one that I have owned on VHS for a long time. And I never finished watching it because it looked like garbage. <laughs> but I finally watched the YouTube version that someone put up. And uh, goddamn, I I just fucking... Uh, spoilers for, like, the general consensus of this first episode. But, uh, fuck, I love Albert Pion. Goddamn. Goddamn, I do. So, I guess I gotta ask you, what what's, what what's what's your, like, what got you... Why are you hooked on the pion
1: so i had always known about albert pion and it wasn't until i was working in a video store in toronto that a pal of mine adam was like have you seen nemesis you like all this hong kong stuff there's kind of like hong kong style gunfights in nemesis and i went okay sure i'll check it out we had it out on like you know, recommendation shelf. I picked it up, watching it and went, "Whoa, what is this? It's wild. It's all over the place, but it's also filled with practical effects, great cyborg stuff, and also very much John Wu inspired gunfights at a time when, like, no one was doing it. Only Albert was because this was his inspirations. And I think he had a much wider palette than most DTV filmmakers at the time. And over, a long period. I watch a lot more of his movies and I was like, oh, some of these are not good, but some of these are genuinely interesting in a way that I feel like he never gets, you know, the kudos for. And the more I read about his career and Albert is a guy that he has done a million interviews. If you ask him, he will do an interview with you. And I discovered that he's a guy that just needs to make movies, not for any monetary reasons, but just from a, pure passion place. And that I love. Those are always my favorite filmmakers. And I think what really like clicked into place was I saw Radioactive Dreams on the day that Donald Trump was elected in Austin, Texas, at an Alamo draft house. Cause I accompanied my friend who was moving to Austin. We took a long road trip and it ended with us seeing the movie there. And I was just blown away. I'd seen the movie before and really liked it, but seeing it up on the big screen, the colors just popped on the print that they were showing. I was like, I love this guy. He is awesome and years later when we decided oh we're going to show a print of radioactive dreams at the screening society that we do i decided "Eh, i'm going to write a little book to go along with it that i could just release at that screening just do print on demand through amazon piece of cake and that's how the book came about wasn't exactly a piece of cake but it did get done and you can now read it
0: so since you've seen an actual print how how big of a difference radically That's, different I, I thought
1: huge so. like the colors are like neon everything is very saturated and even the best version which is the german dvd is very faded like it seems almost as if some of the contrast has been pulled out of it unfortunately oh,
0: that fucking sucks yeah i yeah. was right because i was i was watching and i think the thing that really like threw me off when i first tried watching radioactive dreams which i think is it's his second movie right
1: yes so it was a sword and the sorcerer and that was a big hit and then he basically just drummed up the funding himself to make radioactive dream which is one of the reasons it hasn't gotten a dvd or blu-ray release is that no one really knows who owns it
0: so um when i first started watching it um and you get that opening that's in i guess academy ratio i I didn't really yeah it's
1: academy ratio
0: and it starts off and that plus uh the vhs that i was watching back way when it was like oh this is just like cropped and shitty
1: mm. and
0: and then it turns out no he actually pulls a bit of a wizard of the oz and it all expands and it's colorful and it gets apparently super neon which i still have not properly seen but i got the i got the gist
1: yeah uh, i love it's the doors open when so basically the plot of radioactive dreams is that these two kids were put in a bunker when like the world went to shit and the bombs went off And they were raised in this bunker by two men who they've been calling their fathers and they've owned and eventually those fathers disappeared and the kids raised themselves. And all they had were like dime store detective novels. So they like, you know, talk like, Oh, we're going to go see a bunch of gals. And they decide we're going to leave our bunker into this radioactive wasteland. And when they finally leave the doors open, it matches the aspect ratio widening, which until that German DVD release, you, couldn't see unless you saw it in theaters and i'm sure it probably didn't open that wide theatrically
0: new yeah and i i love i love i love how um european loves loves his tropes Um, Mm -hmm. he loves mashing his genres or at very least uh copying uh these big bold genres of course um you know you you point out in your um entry in your book on nemesis that it's it's like Blade Runner. And, uh, in this instance, we have, we got post-apocalyptic, we've got film noir, uh, we've got musical, I feel like a few other genres in there. And basically the, the idea of the film is for those who haven't seen it, which again, free, what freely available on YouTube, sadly, that's really the best option. Yeah. It's the
1: best way to watch it.
0: (laughs) If you get a chance to see a print, get on that. I know that I would drive across the country right now. Uh, And I just drove across the country. I would do it again if I could go see uh, a a print of radio. AGFA
1: owns a print of the film, America Genre Film Archives, And it's rentable. We just rented it. We just paid the fee and we were able to show it. Oh, man. Oh, there's
0: a new art theater opening in Vegas, too.
1: (laughs) Maybe you could convince them.
0: Oh, shit. I'll put put up that money. Fuck.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Shit.
0: (laughs) Come on. All right. So uh, these two... The the two brothers, ostensibly, although they might not even be brothers, who knows? They uh they they eventually escape out of the bunker that they're in and they go on this road trip. And that's the the film is is set up as a road trip. Um that's kind of what you It's
1: think. not though. <laughs> but it's not.
0: It is hundred percent not. Within, like, it feels
1: like budget considerations because they like step out and you're like, Whoa, look at this wasteland that they will traverse and have adventures and oh what no, they're in the underground for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a Pion trope I've noticed. Um uh, Alien from LA, I think, is the most recent one—not most recent, like chronologically—but most recent mm. that I've physically seen. Put out on a beautiful yeah. Blu-ray by Vinegar Syndrome, where it's oh, this girl is going to go on this adventure, and what is it? It's just she's underground for an hour and fifteen minutes or something. Yeah, um, which is not bad when you have like a decent. Well, actually, when you're promised a road trip movie, it is a little like
1: it's a disappointing. <laughs> I mean, like in Radioactive Dreams, the underground is very big. Like there's big crowd scenes and yeah. it's just, I think it was just because they could shoot indoors, it's much easier than doing it in the desert. And Albert also really likes that old school Hollywood feel. So it's not only just a cost cutting measure, it's also, oh, we can like throw back to a kind of movie that doesn't really get made anymore. Yeah,
0: I legitimately was, uh, there was a point where I thought, are they actually underground or did I miss? So, Cause I was missing <laughs> plot points left and right. Cause it's all just like, once they get underground, uh, in radioactive dreams, on the version that's on YouTube, everything is so is very muddled. It's yes. there's a lot of scenes where it's just hard to tell exactly who's who or what's going on, um, and your brain gets real scrambled real fast, which is frustrating because you can tell that there's a lot of care going into this if you're Mm -hmm. watching carefully. If you're not watching carefully, if you're just like a viewer who's not taking into consideration how awful this transfer is, then it can come off as just kind of an amateurish effort. But if you actually look at the scenes, uh, what I took from both these films is that Albert Pion is very much the kind of guy who will do anything to up the look of his film, to make it look somehow more stylish, more atmospheric um, to give the viewer everything he possibly can. There's tons of smoke, lighting from all kinds of directions, all sorts of gels being used. It looks like a fucking Mario Bava movie when he goes down into...
1: It does, and that's why it's unfortunate that the uh, transfers currently available are so crummy, is that, like, oh, all those colors coming in from all the different directions and the smoke throughout, like, every scene, and it's it just feels wet like a wetted down set the entire time as well.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of wetness. He mm-hmm. uses so many uh, squibs and um, I just lost the name, but the little paintballs they fill with um, Zerk or whatever. Uh, Zerk-
1: oh, I don't know. Yeah, the name. So like the impact it, balls that when they hit yeah. they like spark.
0: Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, I know like in Nemesis, there's that one scene in the hotel where they're just firing at each other. <laughs>
1: It's so good and just like explosions all over the place
0: like 15 different ways to do bullet hits and it's amazing. It's all at once. I'm shocked. No one got injured as far as I know. Like it's just like insanity. And you get a bit of that in Radioactive Dreams. He really like give him a little money. He'll he'll give you a gunfight. God damn it. And uh, in the third act, we uh, get this again, very dark, which I assume looks perfectly good in the print. Big battle royale with all these different characters. A giant mutated rat at one point as yeah, well so
1: it's a little bit of a monster movie too yeah, a great go. it's like a i think it's a greg cannon effect the big rat that like comes out of the sewers and like gets right in the face of the protagonist
0: yeah and oh my god there's i'm not going to spoil the the big uh kill For, from the yeah. rat <laughs> but at the like near the end that rat chomps down on some other truckers and it is Mwah, glorious oh um,
1: i think you see like a pov from inside the rat's mouth yeah. right where they're like yeah, no and then it's like oh and then the legs in the air like oh, oh. Uh, it's
0: so good it's it's a very these are these are very much like you know they're, they're 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 trashy movies which is my favorite they're very energetic when they can be films as well and i think that and you you kind of uh, talk about this in your book but Radioactive Dreams at one point was taken, or eventually was taken away mm-hmm. from Albert Pien by uh, the... Um, Bond Company. Bond Company, thank you. Yeah. And certain scenes were not shot by Albert Pien. We don't really know which ones those are specifically, mm-hmm. but uh, it was not finished by Albert Pien. And so I, that's potentially why some of the film feels a little wonky, but he also does have a notable issue with pacing. I mean, even... Mm -hmm. All his
1: films have no have issues with pacing. He's a guy who like loves to throw a gigantic block of text at the beginning of the movie, and then have everything go super fast in the first fifteen minutes, and then it slows down. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's just his stylistic like that's what he likes.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he strikes me as someone who story isn't even like second for him. It's like fourth or fifth down the line of things that really matter. I uh, mean,
1: Radioactive Dreams, The since I've seen it, like, the first time, and it was a bit of a shock the way that it kind of plays out and it slows down, I think it really works uh, once you've seen it once and you watch it a second time, because that slowdown is like, all right, we're not having fun anymore. Like, this is real, because, like, a character gets, like, tied down and, like, threatened with death, and then they realize that, like, this is not really fun anymore, like, it's not the way they thought it was going to be, and so the, the tone of the film kind of reflects that.
0: Yeah, it's very, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I would say, actually, honestly, yeah, the Radioactive dreams probably, out of the Pion movies I've seen, uh, probably the least complicated, probably the most, um, I guess, reliant on story is a bit strong, but one where the story really works and makes sense as you, like, really think about it. Because, yeah, it is, these uh, two, they're basically just grown-up children, they've raised themselves, they've been reading detective fiction, and uh, they, you know, make it out into this world, and the world as we know is a very cruel place once you mm-hmm. get out and you no longer um have your parents or your you know underground bunker to take care of you and they slowly come to realize that oh yeah actually this kind of sucks and they kind of grow into men and they um get their big lesson at the end which again i will not spoil but
1: oh i love the lesson at the end the which is play. like anti every kind of like quest movie like that where it's like oh ah, I want to say what it is but like I don't want to spoil it either but it's such like a great like undercutting of what you would expect to happen and it's also the journey of the characters we didn't even mention played by uh Michael Dudikoff and uh the director of out yes and they uh not only do they become men which Another movie that could have been the end, right? It's like we hardened, that's how we get through. That's not the end lesson. In fact, they kind of like do a 360, which is like, oh, but you know, we were happier the way that we were. And if we let the world kind of crush us and make us cynical, we'll be miserable like everybody else.
0: Yeah, there is a great moment um, like in every sense, like in writing, in mood, uh, camera work, acting, Every everything works perfectly in this one scene where they kind of reach their darkest moment, I would say. Mm -hmm. And they confront another character. A lot of femme fatales in this, too, which, of course, trademark for the noir genre, but also uh, Albert Pyun, noted lover of strong women, um, often very Yeah,
1: um, uh, you know, (laughs) thematically and physically. (laughs) (laughs) Loves loves um, it. No qualms about that. He's
0: lots of muscles, or at least... Uh, with a lot of story muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, we get a lot of story muscle with uh, with uh, Lisa Blunt, right? Um, I believe
1: so. I'm terrible with actors' names, but that sounds about correct, yes. <laughs> uh,
0: the chick from uh, Prince of Darkness. But there's this like really like dark moment that is so good, and in a lot of other movies, it might be like the final moments for that character arc. It might, or I guess it's still the final moments for that character arc, but like that might be the end point for that character arc. Um, and maybe that Point in their lives like leads to the final action. But in this instance, it actually, there's a little swerve at the end where they kind of have a bit like a bunch of big old realizations about themselves after reaching this very um, hardened point. And uh, it's, it hits really well. Like I was, like there were, I had those moments throughout Radioactive Dreams where I was feeling the pacing issues mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, and I knew about the Bond Company thing. It's like, fuck, what's going to like, how is this going to like start to fall apart? And it never does like all of the, uh, that, you know, outside influence Like it hinders elements of the product, but the final product is actually really good. Yeah, it's
1: great. I mean, I think Albert said that he lost like two thirds of the funding or something like that before the movie started. Like someone pulled out as well, which led to the problems that he had with the Bond company. And with that in mind, you want to be like, all right, I'll cut this some chances because I know. But by the time it reaches the end from a storytelling point, like it hits all the beats it needs to do. The performances are great from the cast and we didn't even talk about the musical score which i love oh, just God. a soundtrack of original songs for this movie
0: yeah and uh, featuring i think four
1: songs from susad yep oh. uh, so tony ripperetti um who did those songs with susad cuz he was part of the band he became albert punn's like go to or not even go to just his music composer and you can see like the seeds of them right here but all the songs are great all from bands who a lot of them it's like the only song they ever wrote
0: yeah um and you you have a interview with him in the book right i do About, yes which again guys this this book i'm not i'm th- he did not tell me to do this i bought this <laughs> on board um i really enjoyed it you know there's a few, few typos here and there but that's okay because um justin speaks with typos so that's that's all right
1: i worked uh, oh. so hard on trying to get all those typos out of that book And every time someone says that there's one more, it's like a knife through my heart.
0: (laughs) Well, that just is more reason to do an extended and revised edition where you make it even bigger and chunkier.
1: No, I don't want to touch that book again.
0: (laughs) Bigger and chunkier, Justin. Give me bigger and chunkier. No. (laughs) But seriously, great book and a bunch of really solid interviews that really give uh, a lot of context to Pyeon's work, which I found very helpful, because I just want to know the most about Albert Pyeon. One day, uh, as I told you, I will, I will meet that man. <laughs> I will find a way. Uh, we like we, we live mere minutes away from each other. <laughs> if I, like, oh, I feel like some like a film nerd who like lives in L.A. or something. It's like oh, at any point I could just meet these people, but I can't.
1: I mean, Albert probably doesn't go out very much because he's been no. sick for a long time. Yeah, so.
0: he's, he's, he is, he's very sick, but still working. posts. Like, yeah, that's posting. what keeps him going, is yeah. getting
1: the camera out. And there's a documentary about him that's, that people have been working on it for ages. It's from the people who did the Gilda Radner doc uh, really? that was on Netflix. So yeah, and uh, I saw the director of it commenting on something Albert posted and I was in the thread too. And she's like, it's coming. It'll be done soon, probably in uh, tw- early 2022. So fingers crossed.
0: Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's one thing to shake off my list. I, was, I don't need to make any documentaries. Got it. Sweet.
1: Nope. Yeah. No, no documentaries about him. Or maybe you'll watch and be like, oh, I, there's more there that I can get out that's of it. The thing is, like, people always ask me, like, did you interview Albert for the book? And I said, no. Number one, because I was writing it very quickly and I needed to just get through it. And number two is that I didn't want to like, like, it would get in my head if he said some stuff about the movies I was writing about. I want it to be very kind of like... um just my personal opinions about the stuff. So it's not like big historical things with like, you know, go to this article of Starlog where they wrote about this uh, movie because I would never end. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, number three was that I feel like when you, he does interviews, he oftentimes just gives the same answer. Cause you get asked about the same thing over and over and over again. So he has like his go-to things and he was very ill as well. And I was like, I don't want to bother him with this stuff.
0: So uh, nemesis. Mm-hmm. Well, first up, actually, what, what is your favorite um, Pion film?
1: Probably Radioactive Dreams, okay. I would have to say. That's because, the one when people ask me, like, well, what would you recommend when it comes to Albert? I'd be like, oh, Radioactive Dreams. It's not really an action movie, which is like what I really like when he really gets into that stuff, like Nemesis, which is really fun. It, I just feel like I love the poppiness of it. I love that it's in a period of time where this was still like a passion project for him. At a certain point, pretty much after the next film, Dangerously Close, you feel like he's at a constant run. But there aren't, like, you know, maybe he'd really like to make a movie, and he does it, but he, he doesn't get to, like, kind of uh, soak it in as much as you would want him to. Like, Rare Active Dreams feels like, oh, there's a movie I always wanted to make, so I get to make it. And that's why I really love it. And it's so weird. There's nothing like it. That's why I like recommending it as well. Like, Nemesis is great love Nemesis, but it's also familiar to other stuff that we know. So it may be difficult for some people to be like, okay, well, I've seen this before. What is different about it? I'm like, oh, but it's the best version! But Radioactive Dreams, because it's so singular, it's an easy one to go to.
0: That makes sense. I mean, that's fair. And it's a very, like, it's... I was I was shocked to see that, it, or to, to realize that it's one of his films that really just beginning to end, minus the obvious issues that always come mm-hmm. up. Uh, just works as a whole it's just a nice cohesive film and frankly cohesiveness
1: not really in albert's vocabulary (laughs) um
0: which i dig i um i like if there's any filmmaker one of the reasons i i have i have now two filmmaker centered uh series on this podcast uh i've got this one and i've got the one on jess franco Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um and specifically because they're two filmmakers who just inspire the shit out of me
1: Oh, uh, I love Jeff Franco too. They're
0: just there's so, like it's just so like we've I've got to make a fucking movie. Why are we making
1: movies now, Michael? Exactly. Why are we making movies
0: now? Right now, I'm trying to get a film made this year because I, I had a two years streak where 2018 my first movie came out, 2019 my second movie came out. I was like, fuck yeah, all right, going good. And money's rolling yeah. in. And then uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah <I
1: agree. laughs> you know,
0: uh, and then uh, 2020 just smacked my ass down. And I, I technically had a short film done in 2020. And so like, if you were just look at the IMDb page, then technically I have a movie finished in 2020. It's, you know, still just a short shot on beta, but still it's a short mm. uh, or it's a film. And I'm desperate to get a film done this year, but it's so challenging with all the issues and like the months are, do- are going down, down, down. But then I look at Albert Pyun and I look at Jess Franco and I look at the, like, a bajillion movies. Like, I think Albert Pyun did, like, six, had, like, six or seven movies come out in, like, 1994 or something.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know what his his best year was. I, I write about it in the book. Uh, in 1996, he had Adrenaline, Nemesis 3, Ravenhawk, Omega Doom, and Nemesis 4. Goddamn. Goddamn.
0: And, you know, not all winners, let's just no. say. But, you know, the fact that he, like, knocked those out. You know shot on film had crews ish like the fact that i like i have this camera that i'm i'm streaming on right now that i can shoot a movie on and the, you know i have all the lighting equipment i have all the sound equipment i have all these things that i can use right now to make a movie yeah and why are we shooting a
1: movie that. now
0: <laughs> Fuck yeah justin Fuck yeah <laughs> like it's and i have like a bunch of people I'm more than happy to be in them and help with them and it just i just haven't done it and yeah. it like frustrates me because i'll again like you look at jess franco in the fucking 70s and 80s just popping shit out you know he's like a like a like a mormon housewife just boom 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 and like it's i just find it really inspiring it's like and he's like
1: oh the next one will be better the next one will be better this yeah. one maybe not didn't work let us move on to the next one
0: yeah like and the way yeah the way that they don't let the failures get to him either that's another thing with because like pian specifically like has had like had such a just disastrous career just like anything that could go wrong went wrong you know would the producers take the movie from him you bet would he have his budget slashed at the last minute fuck yeah he would like almost i would say like almost none of his movies uh really made it out without some form of massive hindrance
1: i don't know how he found the strength to just keep going and not be like i guess it's not for me yeah, like, like, it's not really working out. And
0: like he won't even let the Minchi get him down. Like it's insane.
1: I think that um, the happiest you get the sense that he was wasn't canon, because that was like it seemed like the sky was the limit. That like he was taking any any film that had an issue with it. He's like, Oh, wait, what? Journey to the center of the earth, so the director's not working out. Pfft, no, no problem. I'll just shoot over that. The plan that he had for shooting He Man 2 and Master of the Universe uh, and Spider Man simultaneously is such a wild idea.
0: Yeah. I'm almost, I almost wonder if there was an element of just like because he would do anything that almost sullied his reputation.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was shocked, like, when I started writing the book, I, like, I always wanted to do it for many years, but I was like, someone's going to write, like, a more definitive version. And no one did! And I couldn't believe it! I'm like, but the movies are there, like, you could see them with your own eyes, but no, not really any kind of, like, pure and fan base. Beyond, I feel like, there was a group of people that were very nostalgic about the movies when they came out on VHS. So they continue that with them, but very rarely were people discovering his films and being like, "Oh yeah, I love like you know Nemesis two and the stuff that you tried to do with it." They'd be like, "Nah, Cyborg." That's pretty much all that got talked about.
0: Yeah, I gosh, that's so depressed. By the way, I this is a slightly off topic. I uh, accidentally now own two copies of Cyborg <laughs> um, because the Shout Factory edition. I like bought that first and i didn't for some reason i always do this for everything else i did not look at the uh, blu-ray.com breakdown Mm -hmm. i just looked at the back and so it has like a couple little extra features and then it says and more and whenever i hear and more i just think like oh like a stills gallery or
1: something yeah i've been doing that a lot lately that they don't put the special features on the back of the box
0: it's ridiculous and then the 88 films one i i get it and like every single thing is listed in the like microscopic font yeah um, I'm like, all oh, right, I got the definitive edition now, and then I I went on Blu-ray.com to try and see if there was any difference in the scan, uh, which I assume no, and then I see like all the special features from the 88 Films release minus maybe a couple are on the Shout release. <laughs> was just,
1: that was not you know supposed what? to be the case. Uh, I I have an inside man at 88 Films, and there was like a shuffle that happened. Like they had asked me to write liner notes. MGM is very specific about what they allow to be said about their films
0: right that so it was, makes
1: like, ve- very difficult like they're like the, none of the special features mentioned there's a director's cut that exists out there like they like cannot talk about it which I, is uh, like why why I've do also, you care mgm
0: <laughs> i've also heard stories about mgm yeah uh from inside and uh yeah they suck ass <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, the I, mac
1: and me video feature where the director's like yeah everything's good We're great shoot yep that's it and you're like how can that be it what is going on and then Impossible. you hear like uh the valley hill uh motion pictures guys like oh no the interview was crazy but they wouldn't allow us to include it yeah like...
0: I've, I've heard about like i've been told about like um lengths of, of featurettes from other labels and like how like this 10 minute um interview was actually like two hours of, of mm-hmm. great material and that to get with out. Uh, it's, it's insane. Um, especially for, yeah you know, something as like, like who gives a fuck? Like honestly, cares? Yeah. no one in the mainstream gives a single iota of a fuck, uh, about cyborg. They just don't like, you know, the Jean-Claude Van Damme fans. That's about it. And that's, I wouldn't even call that mainstream anymore. And it's, it is, it's, it, it's so frustrating. Cause like I would pay so much good money, uh, and even bad money just to get my hands on a really nice restored, Version of the director's cut of Cyborg. Oh my god! Like that would.
1: Yeah, I don't think it exists though. Like that work print version. That's pretty much it. And in Germany, some dude did the edit where he used like the HD transfer, and he it cuts between the footage. But for some reason, he put fades in between each shot, and it's like, no, what are you doing? Uh, Just making a hard cut.
0: Don't put your fucking artistic license on this shit. Come on.
1: No, but at least you can still see it, and it has the original. music that was removed by anson Anthony yeah, i can't say his name anthony ripperetti and that music the original soundtrack of cyborg is so good it's all like Ew! like guitars and stuff like that while mm-hmm. if you listen to the theatrical cut it's like do, 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 just like a midi keyboard and if you look at the guy's credits he did like one other score and that's it I
0: don't understand i just don't it's so and so insane that i mean i understand the sto- like i get the story with john claude van damme being notified that it wasn't working out i'm
1: coming yeah out. by sheldon Lettich the director who was his pal who was like i'm at the test screening it's not working out come in here you got to recut it
0: uh you can't you can't do this to genius guys come on um no. all right so anyway nemesis uh this isn't the cyborg episode this is the nemesis button episode goddamn all right so i would say like probably his like i mean you have more knowledge of the behind the scenes than me because you wrote a fucking book is there any film that's more just his vision on screen
1: what's funny is he actually fought really hard with the producer of this film really the guy who runs imperial entertainment and he also directed black eagle uh you know it was released on mvd yeah. and they really butted heads on this but it does feel, it feels pure Pyun, that they're like, do whatever you want, like, go wild with it. And he does, because it's like all of his preoccupations, all of his stylistic ticks good and bad, but also done in a way where you don't feel that it's hampered by the budget.
0: Yeah, that's when, like, it's, I mean, there are, there's there's low points, and they're, they're common Pyun low points. Uh, we mm. already mentioned the plot thing and the pacing thing which there are like they spend a lot of time in that like hotel location yes um, they like there's just a lot of like lulls
1: there's uh, a lot of uh wait where's olivier grunner where'd he go why are we hanging out with the naked thomas jane now
0: yeah um poor billy there's also really the the acting is um for the most part uh i put this abysmal uh in, in nemesis there's good stuff there's tim thomerson uh there's that very brief role from thomas jane uh,
1: they're all robots that's why yeah. that's why their acting's not so hot they're not used to being human yet sure
0: yeah 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 Yeah. um olivier Gruner. uh you know kind of like jean-claude van damme but you know if you just took the charisma away then <laughs> there you have him olivier i
1: have an olivier soft spot based on this movie and oh there's actually a movie where he plays another robot called automatic Underrated.
0: Added to the list. Yeah, yeah, I do like Olivia grenner in this movie. I just, you know, he, you know, he is, he is very robotic, and he has such a goofy haircut and like the little black round <laughs> glasses. That's such a goofy haircut. It's so weird to like he go like he looks really cool in that first sequence.
1: Yeah, it, where he has like the out. long jacket, like that was just ripped off from a Better Tomorrow, the Chiang Fat character. I think like, that's yeah, like, yeah Chiang Fat also wears the little black glasses, so that's yeah. all transposed from John who's A Better Tomorrow.
0: The Hong Kong influence on this movie is wild. Uh, mm-hmm. and you like it feels like a full-blown action extravaganza like there are points there's there's one point where the not laura petty merle merle kennedy as max impact there we go she and uh, olivia Gruner's alex are, are running away from tim thomerson's farnsworth and he's shooting at them. and they like jump over like a fallen silo or or just a building oh yeah
1: and it falls
0: uh, well, the silo falls, yeah, yeah. but also, like, he's shooting at him, and there's just a random explosion behind them, and it's just this massive fireball, uh, one of several. And it just, like, you, you watch this whole movie, and if you just, like, count out all the action beats throughout, it's like, why can't we have this in most Hollywood action movies? This is insane.
1: Yeah, like, put uh, the camera on the rocket for that Sam Raimi POV yes. shot at the beginning, like, <laughs> as it goes towards people. that
0: that that that, that was actually that was the moment when watching this for the first time where i just like my mind immediately was just like this is the greatest goddamn thing i'm going to watch all month no doubt about it anytime anytime you do a weapon pov shot and you know it's like going at our hero or whatever like oh Uh, Mm -hmm. love it um i feel like there was something like that in um oh shoot the chewy heart uh, Van Dam. Uh, oh, definitely. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, think-
1: like knockoff or double yeah. team. Oh, yeah, those Knock movies are wild. Down. They're all they're oh. like every stylistic trick in the book. So I can guarantee you, there's like a bullet shot of like probably the bullet like in front of the camera and like going like this, like spitting as it goes yeah. towards. Someone. Actually,
0: you know what? It is. It is knockoff. Now that I'm mm. remembering, it, it is a knockoff. Uh, probably the best. My probably like unironically one of my top five Jean Claude Van Damme movies. Oh, absolutely. Top. Like it's so good. <laughs> I it love was, it. Knockoff
1: cool. is like, but it's also like, like it's what you see before you die where you're like, ah, there's so much stuff coming at me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Rob Schneider is whipping Jean-Claude Van Damme with an eel during a, um, like a cart race. Uh, and this is only within the first five minutes.
0: <laughs> I, I legitimately, I, I told, um, I might've said this publicly, I might've been to my patrons. I don't really remember, but I said I would do a four hour video uh, on knockoff. And I still have a plan. Like, I'm still, like, always, like, in my head, like, how can I do this, like, just oh. massive exploration of Knock Off? Because it's so good. Knock Off is also no one, one of those
1: films off. that I've heard people say, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a all the action scenes are, like, three times as long. And they were cut down at the last minute. And it's, like, I'm salivating. Like, is that out there? But another thing that's probably gone, yeah. unfortunately. Because they're, like, what are we going to do with this? Trash it.
0: Uh, fucking, fucking Luddites. Not, yeah. not looking to the future.
1: Even That's, though the climax of Knockoff is like it's exhausting, it's so long. So
0: long. <laughs> yeah. It goes forever.
1: But Jacques Van Damme Hollywood. is like slipping and sliding on the on the boat.
0: Oh my God! There's just it's it's so much and so uh, against what you would expect,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so imaginative, which uh, you know like Albert Pion. Albert yeah. Pien, the, the Hawaiian Chui Hark, if you will. Yeah, I would
1: say he's definitely within that Choi Hark mold. I mean, the film he made right after uh, Nemesis, uh, Nights, is essentially like Troy Hark's The Blade. Like, it's a wusha film. Oh, it's like swords play and all that stuff. It has all the same kind of like Chui Hark camera moves. Have so, you seen
0: Nights in uh, as like a print or anything?
1: No. Yeah. It only exists as like a full screen DVD. That's the best version you can get it. Uh, and I think that full screen version... I, it could probably be matted because I think that it's like an open mat. So if somebody, mm. if you put bars on it, probably look okay, but it could be cropped as well. I'm not sure. But yeah, I love nights. And that's one, I don't know why there's not a Blu ray. Like the German company who put all out all the Albert Pün films, they announced a Blu ray and then they pulled it back. So who knows? Mm. Well,
0: that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I've been putting off nights because I wanted, I read, because I read your entry about it. Mm-hmm. i was like this sounds like it looks beautiful i can't wait oh, for oh it. it
1: looks so good and,
0: and then i thought about i was like this book came out a little bit ago and then still fuck 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 and that makes me sad because everything you've said about it um i think you both talked about it on the podcast maybe mm-hmm. like just sounds like 100 percent like organic
1: free- and that was the one that i remember when i became aware of albert pure and someone's like this is trash like so bad on like a website like stomp tokyo or something like that they're like one lava lamp out of five (laughs) like this is the (laughs) he's the ed wood of the 90s and like you watch the movie now and you're like what the heck were they talking about i've I've seen bad movies that come out in the 90s direct a video and they don't look like knights
0: yeah i've had a lot of that same experience um and actually yeah y'all talked about this on the podcast where um you would put off watching a movie for a long time because of those reviews i had a lot of issues of that with um Jess franco where like i, I remember i think Fangoria had a review that shit all over bloody moon mm-hmm. and then i finally watched it and i was like
1: the fuck are you guys talking about well i think it's because like even albert pune movies it's like you go in with like pre Conceive conception of what you want and when you don't get that like especially fangoria like any them watching any jeff Franco movie it's like this will be the good horror film that'll give me this good stuff it's like ah, wait it'll give you stuff but maybe not exactly what you want
0: yeah i um i, I desperately uh want to just go back in time and, and smack my younger self stop reading that trash make your own opinions
1: and you want to be like why like it just gets in your head and it's like you don't know who wrote this this could be anybody <laughs> like yeah
0: um, I mean, uh, hell, I, I, I have all kinds of opinions that I don't think people should listen to. <laughs> like, but I
1: think it's that like when you're young, you probably can't consume the stuff you're reading about. So you need to make these snap judgments. Otherwise, like you could get stuck on something and be disappointed by it down the line. So you're like, ah, oh, somebody doesn't like it. And that probably means everybody doesn't like it. But now it's different. Now it's all at our fingertips.
0: Yeah, I, um, I'm, 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 I'm you know, sometimes I'm unhappy about living in the age of the internet. Sometimes I love it. And in the case of Albert Pion and Jess Franco and all these phenomenal filmmakers who never properly got their due up to a certain point,
1: fucking mm, 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 love it. Oh, I mean, Jess Franco, where I, I want someone to do like a Jess Franco, Steven Thrower, murderous passion style book where they go like through obsessive detail through every Albert Pion movie. I want all the details. There's don't, don't so tend- many bodies that are buried around the making of every one of those films. And I want to hear about all of it.
0: Oh man. You might've given me a new passion in life because I-, I uh... mean, I've
1: heard, like, so I did an interview for that documentary in New York. Like, they just brought me in, did an interview, left. And as I was leaving, the editor of Radioactive Dreams was waiting to come in and we chatted and I got, like, so much good stuff. Like, just talking to him there, I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to know more.
0: Man, I, I really, like, I would love this, but just, like, I don't know, like, let's say, like, Eight more of these. Yes, I the agree. podcast listeners don't know what I'm talking. About. I'm holding up his book and 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 basically explaining that I need it to be the size of War and Peace.
1: I will say book. I'm not the person to write that, but I I would love to read the person that does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we didn't really talk about Nemesis too much. Yes, that was completely off track.
0: Yeah, uh, that's probably That was mostly my fault. So uh, yeah, so Nemesis, uh, the story of a. Actually, real quick. So you, I, I read, I think a Letterbox review, maybe you know I, I could be wrong but what you said that there was a character who like swapped bodies with another character that you didn't know still the third time which part of that
1: i don't remember i'm trying to think of what that would be that sounds like something i would write <laughs> but yeah because they're like trading minds aren't they between yeah. each other throughout the movie and i was like oh that's the same character who switched bodies very convoluted
0: yeah it's a very it's a very confused like you i can't uh, actually uh, I can't give like a detailed plot synopsis. and there's like
1: giant time skips too where it's like now it's 10 years later or is it five maybe it's just five months and you're like ah, I can't keep track all back to back too
0: yeah it's very you gotta I, I would say like for a lot of these kind of movies you really just need to approach it like an art film or like mm-hmm. some kind of, like a, a David Lynch movie where <laughs> you know just just enjoy the vibe man Don't you don't understand what's going on that's fine fuck it You know, you could walk in ten minutes late to this movie and really not miss a whole lot, except Uh, yeah, you would the big action
1: scene that happens at the beginning of the movie, except for
0: like one of the greatest action sequences in indie or in like low budget action cinema, which we just get like again more and more of. uh, Our our guy gets all messed up. Uh, in this, yeah, he gets act. like
1: his whole body blown apart. It's revealed yeah. that he's like a robot,
0: and he's he's con- he's contending with this idea of being human. You know how much of him is human. Uh, he have all these evil cyborg characters saying, "You're not human at all, Alex," hmm. um, and he gets blown apart, and he's rebuilt, and then he g- goes to
1: prison, I guess, at one point. Or yeah, and something. he grows long hair, and he like meditates hair. in a long hallway outside
0: uh and tim thomerson's like i'm tim thomerson and i'm i'm on set today so we're gonna be talking about you doing a mission okay bud uh, and he's all sinister and shit which if you love sinister tim thomerson nemesis kind of the nemesis of a nemesis
1: who is really the nemesis <laughs> perhaps <laughs> it's the nemesis. you the viewer
0: maybe the nemesis was the friends we made along yeah, the
1: along the way. way yep
0: we also get uh carrie Hiroyuki tagawa fairly late in the film which just weird to see him in anything that's not Mortal Kombat for me.
1: <laughs> Brian James is doing a crazy accent, which he loves to do.
0: Yeah, Brian James. Uh, not in the movie nearly enough. No. Um, and then also Tom Matthews plays a henchman.
1: Tom uh, Matthews, uh, one of Albert Pughen's, uh staple of players, who said he would do an interview with me, but then when I asked afterwards, no response. Oh, Tom Matthews. I know. Oh, Tommy Jarvis, you bastard. Tom Matthews, star of uh, Albert Puons's, takes place in one single boxing ring film, Blood Match.
0: I didn't know that uh, all happened in one,
1: oh yeah. Wow. In just one room, just like the arena they rented for uh, Blood Sport Two. They had a couple extra days with it, so they made an entire movie
0: and that's another that's another like element of Albert Pon's filmography. I'm just like, that is so inspiring that, you know, you and again, most up until a certain point, all on film. Oh, just yeah. Just making a whole nother movie because oh, we got a few extra days, a little bit more money. That's but... crazy.
1: Like, that, like, uh, And, and <laughs> Albert's looking at us. He's like, you guys have cameras in your lap and you can make <laughs> a movie anytime you want it.
0: Oh, uh, uh, it's just, it's a constant strain <laughs> on my, my mind. Like, you uh, hear
1: for Olin Ray being like, oh, we shot Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. It's like the extra couple of days we had on the equipment package.
0: <laughs> of course. The difference is uh, I would love, I'll, I'll watch an Albert Pien movie any day of the week. Uh, Fred Olin Ray sometimes not as much I think
1: I'm a Fred believer I have no case Fred is what he's not
0: but you know (laughs) I like Fred Olin Ray a lot I just there is something the thing that makes the big difference with uh Pian for me is you just feel so much passion yes up to a certain point at least I mean I was gonna say would I
1: recommend any Fred Olin Ray films on the record, I will not answer that question.
0: I mean, and I like Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Like that's a that's oh. a fun ass movie.
1: Actually, I really like um, Scalps. Have you ever seen that one? I still haven't watched it. I own the Blu-ray. So that yeah. one, okay, you gotta watch it because it feels okay. like no other Federal and Ray film. It feels like a regional horror film. Also because he did not edit it. He shot the he sent the raw footage to the distributor and they cut it together themselves without his input. So it's like a hallucinate, it's just like a hallucination the entire way through
0: okay well that's i mean it's been on uh, pretty high up the list recently i will pop it up to the top
1: mm-hmm. and if you like like murder drone scores where it's like mm-hmm. scouts is just that so mm-hmm. okay okay no, it. it's,
0: it's permanently installed at the top until it gets watched because that uh that does sound like my jam i kept hearing like neg like really like negative things as far as I, this is again i just yeah, mm-hmm. i gotta ignore all the things i hear because it's i'm always I, it's so weird. Like recently, I'll watch stuff that people have shit on for years. Like this is 100% my jam. I love it. Or like, um, there was the Elvira special um, yesterday? No, day before, um, on Shudder. Mm-hmm. And the last movie was Messiah of Evil. Oh, so good. And I was I went on Twitter uh, to see what you know with the Elvira tag, like what people were saying, and people were shitting all over it. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? What this what you do. You take do you- your
1: mouse and you're like mute 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 mute
0: (laughs) uh but it's insane and then like i'll watch something like malignant or shang chi um and i get and i know this is an unpopular opinion did not like um and it it, i i just need to not listen to opinions because like with those movies i was like okay well according to all these people this is some pretty fun shit and then yeah eh, kind of bored um more so in the shang chi one malignant gets a much better score.
1: shang chi is not not very um, good.
0: <laughs> but I was shocked at how different my opinion was from everyone else's. And but then I'll, you know, I'll watch what most people consider absolute garbage, like a lot of Pyon films, sadly. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'll just find myself having a, a gay old time.
1: Yeah, uh, so- I think the thing is that like with Pyon, I I feel like with some of these filmmakers, you need to be like an absolutist that you when you hear people talk about them, it's like, listen, if I'm gonna put myself back behind them, I have to be behind all of them, <laughs> and like me, as someone who, like, recommends stuff or likes to talk about stuff, I'm very open of, like, oh, no, don't watch that one. That one's not good. <laughs> like, watch this one. This is the good one. And yeah, you just well, I mean, to would, be able to do that.
0: the Urban Trilogy to anyone. Um, the which one? Whatever. Do I remember the, uh, the, um, the Snoop Dogg Trilogy?
1: The, oh, uh, I would not recommend that unless you're, like, just, uh, yeah, I would not recommend it.
0: <laughs> uh, there's just certain ones you just uh, don't touch. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Latter-day Pian You know he very hampered let's say very hampered stuff Mm -hmm. um but at least up through like i guess i don't know what like mid mid 90s it's a lot of wins uh even like nemesis 2 like it's a little more ponderous than i would like but i would say overall fun if simple film probably his most simplistic plot wise Mm
1: -hmm. that i've
0: seen so far um
1: I, I like Nemesis 2, especially when I heard him talk about it, that he was like, I wanted to make a movie with like no camera moves, but like a lot of setups, and it's like one long chase film. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And uh which we'll get into on the episode of Punitive Measures in the Future, where we talk about Nemesis 2. Uh that might have to be a, like Nemesis 2, 3, and 4 all at once. Have you seen Nemesis 4? I haven't seen Nemesis 4 yet.
1: Oh, Nemesis I- 4. It's very interesting. It's probably the most sexually explicit of any Albert Pyun movie.
0: When you described it in the book, I was like, "Hot shit, I've got to see this." And, and I It's just... like it's
1: his like Cronenberg movie. Where like everyone's like mutating and melting, oh, like that's some jazz. Oh um, yeah. man. Yeah.
0: I yeah, I, it's it's one of those things like I have so little time in any given day. Because uh, I'm just, like, working nonstop. Like, mm-hmm. after this, I have two videos I have to do today. <laughs> I'm just, like, nonstop. Um, so, like, anytime I can fit in another Pian, I do. But I just, my, like, my but desk. you have all those
1: new Blu-rays that are coming in, too, that you have to watch, right? You do watch <laughs> all of them, don't you? Coming in
0: is very strong. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I have, like, a massive pile. I got all my new Vinegar Syndromes. got that new Ricky O release. I got, you know, um, all, all this shit. Like, all the partner labels from Vinegar Syndrome. I've got two copies of fucking cyborg on my desk. <laughs> it's just it's 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 never ending. Um, And every day it just it's like I watch less movies, but I have more.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, That's how it works.
0: Uh, I get, you know, I don't know. That there's like much to say about Nemesis. Yeah. Other than it's like so, it's big,
1: it's operatic, it's wild.
0: Yeah. Like the plot is convoluted, but it's a straightforward concept. Um. And it really just boils down to we have a bunch of mostly pretty people mm-hmm. uh, doing really amazing action sequences. backflipping like,
1: off waterfalls and shooting yeah. a rocket launcher at that, uh, g- at a guy.
0: <laughs> and, it's a, and it's also, it's so to this movie's credit, that the first really bad um, special effect is in the last like five minutes. Um
1: Wait, wait, wait. Are you about to say that the stop motion Tim Thomerson is a bad special effect? <laughs> Maybe like one, one shot. One shot's a little. I, I love that, and and the way that it goes from like stop motion to like the 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 um, just like the the head that they had, and you see like Olivia Gruner punching it.
0: Yeah, it. and then I love that they they obviously wanted to. They probably wanted to like pull off all of uh, Olivia Gruner's face. But they could not they probably just couldn't get that right.
1: Oh yeah. Doesn't he just have like a big bandage thing at the end where he's like, I'll be okay. Well he just looks like like,
0: in the fight scene, because he like he hits his head on the
1: Right. And it's supposed to like pull it off when he's holding on to the Yeah, pulls
0: his scalp, he gets scalped. Spoilers, this doesn't really matter. Um I feel like radioactive dreams you can spoil. You can't really spoil uh, Nemesis. You can't really
1: spoil Nemesis because it's like action scenes, it's like you experience it.
0: Um but he gets so he gets scalped and it just looks like he has like he's just a really weird bald guy uh if this and it's 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 cool but it's like they totally wanted to just rip his face off and then i love that at the end he's all bandaged up and they have this moment where um uh oh shoot the the other j name uh in the maybe julie i don't remember i don't remember all there's so many fucking names anyway the <laughs> computer lady the fucking computer lady she says are you uh
1: yeah jared isn't it marjorie monaghan is it jared
0: i thought jared or is- I thought jared was the maybe i'm
1: getting or julian oh my god there's so many j, j- names in this
0: j- tip to screenwriters uh any chance you can do not give characters the same letter of the alphabet for their name like they should all start with different letters as unless much as- their
1: name is brick bardo Albert Finney names a character in almost all of his movies,
0: starting in *Radioactive Dreams*. Yep, that's right. Um, so, uh, but so, like, she says, "Are you crying over there?" And you can kind of see his like lip quivering a bit. And my initial thought, and I felt really mean thinking this, but it was like, "Oh, so that's how you get emotion out of Olivia (laughs) Gruner? You just bandage his face, (laughs) cover his
1: face? (laughs) You can read into." you know uh whatever you want into his invisible man style uh, he should be wearing the little black sunglasses like over the bandages
0: <laughs> um yeah it's, and that's it also there's a certain like um like it's not a bad movie but it does have certain hallmarks of what you consider a bad movie that kind of up the entertainment value like it's nothing bad in the objective like this is a bad moment since mm-hmm. it's all just this adds to the overall aura of the film like yeah would uh, would olivier gruner taking some acting lessons before doing this movie maybe help possibly but at the same time it's such just like it's it, it, it's like a, a fine marinade for the film and it's it it gives a certain texture that you wouldn't otherwise get um the scene where he is uh he's in like uh A town in some i don't know where the fuck he is he's like it looks like he's in mexico or something Mm -hmm. um and he has his new haircut and he's drinking uh blank beer and uh he has his dog uh, r.i.p um
1: spoiler alert
0: (laughs) spoiler alert dog don't make it Uh, yeah dog
1: lasts like three minutes dog don't (laughs) last very long (laughs) i don't even
0: know what the point of having that dog was other than it's a trope that you would see Mm-hmm. Um, but the two uh lady cyborgs come in and talk to them and they're like weird mini skirts and it feels like the whole the whole feel of this film is basically like 90s comic book
1: mm-hmm. you know all exactly. those. Comic books can you imagine back. like black and white the pages are a little thin as you're reading it maybe a little too white as well
0: yeah it's, it's like this indie extreme comic book mm-hmm that you would just wind up with, that you'd buy for, like, 50 cents nowadays um, mm-hmm. from some random comic book store. And, like, if you want to see that aesthetic on film, here you go. Like, the, it's perfectly lit, it's perfectly done it's perfectly shot, like, everything's dynamic. Like, every single shot in this movie, like, has some dynamic element to it. If he could add dust or smoke or water or whatever to the film he will do that um and that really really is obvious in the shootout in the motel uh where by the way he uh shoots through the floor total animal move uh, mm-hmm. shoots through the floor multiple times and just falls through several stories of building uh i think into the sewer if i'm not mistaken um like I'm trying to think i think
1: maybe he just lands on the bottom floor doesn't he
0: it might, I, I feel like it was like a really dark passageway, but I could mm-hmm. be remembering now.
1: I love uh, that shot of Olivia Grunner falling through the floors. Yeah. With the camera would, under yeah. him. And he's like, oh, so good.
0: Yeah. It's like watching a magic trick. It's, yeah. it's, it's stellar. But right before that, you get this big shootout, um, with that is the most just unnecessarily explosive, like, uh, shootout in a room of all time. Whole, like, Walls well, I think they're just it,
1: the, the people firing are standing like five feet away from each other <laughs> and the joke is they're robots so they're just like just the walls are exploding they're being riddled by bullets the entire time
0: yeah you have um as I mentioned like basically up top like there are there's squibs there's um, the like uh, basically so for those that don't know how special effects work in um, gunfights. Um, you have squibs, which I bet most people know what a squib is. It's just a little explosive that you attach to a person or an object, and it has like a little bit of like basically gunpowder inside, and it blows up. But it's so tiny that it just like creates like what it looks like a bullet uh, effect. And then also you have these basic paintballs. This is essentially what they are. Um, and they can be full of either dust or zirconium, something or another. I'm not good with chemicals. I didn't do well in chemistry in high school, or like anywhere in high school. Um, basically, a little mini explosive that creates sparks. Um, and you um, have a special gun for it. That I, I cannot remember the name, but it's ba- essentially it's a paintball gun. Uh, and you, for to get the like the hitting something and dust pops off. You shoot the dust balls, and if you want to suck, uh, then you shoot balls. And if you just want to blow up through something. It's a white web. Um, and either way, it looks in rad. Um, and like, these are expensive things, you a pyrotechnician, uh, on set to do them. Like you can't, you can't even do the dust, but, uh, to, to get and use squibs, use the things, uh, you have to be a pyrotechnician, um, and. Higher that um the actual um squibs and balls cost money like it's pretty, it's it's a um challenging and like two actors getting riddled the background just all sparse and explosions it's insane it's absolutely and the fact like this is definitely the moment the most just what the whole um, just everything's being shot up moment but the whole like the film is filled with these sequences where, you know uh, shots are hitting various objects like there's very little a lot of um, low budget and no budget you'll see like a lot of like firing of guns and there's like there's no um, f- there's no flash from the barrel it doesn't like obviously hit anything like they only be like throwing some sound effects but you don't see like the dust popping off of objects or you know metal walls sparking everywhere shit getting blown to pieces and by by having all these things and not succumbing to laziness um and like putting the budget where it needs to go you know shows that he wants that nature in the film um i mean for people that don't know as well
1: like it's so difficult to clean up and that's why people don't do it That yeah
0: so yeah it's a fucking mess like it's like with blood. Like, people always complain about cg blood, and rightly so look good but um it's a fucking if you if you if a wit goes through a room and pass a bunch of guys in the head have you know blood squibs going on where um uh, you know, chance they're gonna do need to do another tick because it's very complicated to do in order to do that other take, they're gonna up the entire room, like all like every piece of wall that got out, you know, every you know, fine vase that got exploded by a bullet, popping a new one, and that gets very expensive and very time consuming, which in and of itself is also very very fast. Um, so to see all these, all this again, very tactile action. Uh, throughout the film, like it's, 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 A, it's like a bygone era now, but also it just makes the whole film all that more um, exciting and entertaining. So I, yeah, I, I love, I love Nemesis so much. Um, I would say, I would say like now that, like after talking about these, Radio After Dreams is probably the better film as a story um, mm-hmm. and as a cohesive piece, but Nemesis. Like it really, like as you you said, you say in your book, uh, it's what could have been mm-hmm. given, like you know, his, if he hadn't been uh, stifled by all these different forces throughout his career. And yeah, it it definitely, like I imagine imagining the world where Albert Pia, like, like Nemesis, took off maybe like Cyborg didn't, get a bird and what one of these early movies like shot up to the stratosphere and he actually got the opportunities. That he deserved and was given full control um or at least standard control like even mm-hmm. that um imagining that world is instantly depressing because i feel like we missed out on this massive career like albert pion and th- this could go s- different ways for different people i personally i, I have like the soft spot for michael bay um mm-hmm. this is movies uh And to me like should have been like the Michael Bay before there was a Michael Bay. He should have been the one who was getting the keys to all the Jerry Bruckheimer vehicles and should have been the one like doing the big fucking spectacle movies um, because he fucking had the eye or has the eye. Um, And just for whatever reason, uh, I don't know if bad luck, uh, his inability to negotiate racism, there's all kinds of, there are all kind of reasons that we don't mm. have definitively that just work out and it's and that's why i wanted to do punitive measures because goddamn if i can just if we can just get like a few people on board the Pyon train <laughs> awesome that's all cuz he does so much more respect that he still doesn't fucking get you know, everybody's just like, oh, I mean, Captain America.
1: Yeah, <laughs> ah, Captain America was bad. And you want to be like, you know that he, like any action in that movie, he shot on his own dime because the studio was like, we're not paying for this. And he's like, yeah. there's no movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude dude, dude faced insurmountable odds, rarely came out unskipped, but always got back up and always continued to fight on. And uh, there's something be said about that kind of character, especially in filmmaking. A mm-hmm. uh, few people can make it out of that many disaster productions and still want to make more movies, still have a love for cinema. That uh, for Pion, just the fuck Banff himself, um, who could totally be on this podcast if he just... Oh,
1: yeah, I'm sure he could get so, it. <laughs> just he podcast one. Just one chance
0: uh anyway with that being take up too much more of your time uh we've been talking for a little while now um over there when i have like a, a time stamp in front of me uh but uh, this has been measures uh else you would like to add about these two uh fantastic points
1: um no not really
0: <laughs> oh i see You've written the book. You've yes. enough about it. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, buy my book. <laughs> buy my book. Redactive Dreams. You can get it on Amazon.com.ca.uk. It's on all of those. And listen to The Important Cinema Club, No Such Thing As A Bad Movie, and the Bay Street Video Podcast. And subscribe uh, Film Trap on YouTube. All oh, yes. Oh, Gold Ninja Video, too. Ah, too much stuff. Too Not much. enough, though.
0: Um, and, uh, oh, before we leave, by the way, uh, Teddy Bomb um i i watched your your um second feature i I own it i just time but i did make time and uh that moment where you put nemesis on the shelf just like touched my heart in a special (laughs) way um and also we'll film so guys go to Golden ninja video uh buy all kinds of stuff oh don't forget to add in bomb because uh it's a thumbs up and I'll talk more about that in a video in the future, probably called "The Important of Justin DeClue." I think like that'd be great.
1: Ooh, I like that title. Yeah,
0: uh, that'll that's little future for you kids. <laughs> uh, that being said, thank you so much. Like, subscribe, all the time. don't forget to subscribe uh, on your choice to move uh, as well as uh, my channel called Michael Keane because. I like to be confused with guitarists. And uh, (laughs) until next time, guys, movie.